What's poppin' everyone? Welcome to episode 150 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. Wildcard weekend wrapped up over the weekend. Didn't do an episode before Wildcard Weekend because I was very heavily invested in my Dallas Cowboys, and that's what today's episode is gonna be about is the dreadful, overrated as anything, Dallas Cowboys. Um, I didn't want to make any predictions, and then, you know, I, I wouldn't have predicted that game anyways, but I just decided to stay away from it altogether because I just I was feeling really I, I'm not I would I won't say I was feeling really good going into the weekend. I actually wasn't very encouraged at all because we hadn't beaten any good teams throughout the year. We had beaten up on who we were supposed to beat up on, lose to the good teams like Tampa Bay, Kansas City, and and teams like that, Arizona. So my hopes weren't high, but the Dallas Cowboys just came out and uh, played very flat uh, to start against the 49ers. And yeah, I'm going to dive into more of the game, of the game here in, in this episode. But uh, episode 150, uh, another another milestone. Thanks for being with me for 150 episodes. It's been a blast and uh, happy to talk to you before we get into the divisional round uh, this coming weekend. I'm also coming at you, not live, because you won't be listening to this live, obviously, but I am in uh, my studio. Um, so you might have heard in the, the last episode I did with Tucker Rogers, uh, amateur MMA fighter, jiu-jitsu as well, and uh, he came on the show a couple weeks ago. And uh, great show in the studio that I built. Basically, it's an old chicken coop that my dad had bought. Oh, not bought, but he just, it was from a baseball field. He, it wasn't being used. And so he decided to take it. He was getting chickens. We had chickens for a couple of years. Then we like, we, we sold the chickens and my brother turned this old shed into kind of like a little hangout space, did the walls, did the flooring and everything. But then after he, he put it together, he never used it. And so I decided uh, that I was going to turn this into a studio. Um, so repainted the walls, the flooring's all good. And uh, put some foam padding up on the walls. So I'm coming at you from the chicken coop, I suppose. But yeah, pretty awesome that I moved in here. And uh, I'm going to start doing all my content in here. And uh, yeah, it's great. But now this this dreadful game by the Dallas Cowboys. They lost to the San Francisco 49ers 23-17. And uh, I mean, I'm not even going to dive into stats really or anything like that. The the Cowboys just came out flat. uh, And they, they put themselves in a hole early. Kind of showed up, showed some life a little bit, and late in the second quarter, got a touchdown. And then they had a possession before halftime. You think maybe if they can get a touchdown or even a field goal, um, you you're, you go into halftime down 16 to 14 or even 16 to 10. Uh, and then you get the ball to start the third quarter, your first possession. Maybe you can go down and uh, and take the lead. And that would have been huge, uh, just given how that game had gone in the first quarter and a half you then can capture the momentum in the second half and and be good. And that's kind of that's how I was feeling going into uh, that last drive of the first half. But then they didn't end up getting any points. And you think, you know what, it's still fine because you get the ball to start the third, go down, score a touchdown. I know it's easier said than done, but go down, score a touchdown, and you're down 16-14 to 14 early third quarter. Or at worst, 16-10. But the Cowboys can never really get it going again until really when it was too little too late very late in the game a lot of penalties Cowboys were the most penalized team in the league this year and have two games including this playoff game this wildcard game 
uh, with 14 or more accepted penalties. It was 14 accepted penalties in this game, and really none of them were bad calls at all. Holding calls, blocks in the back, whatever. Some of them even pre-snap on defense, like being in the neutral zone. Like, watch the ball. Uh, You know, like the pre-snap stuff, everything pre-snap you can control. After the snap, sometimes you get caught for a hold. Like, I'm not... There, there's holding in every game, you know, that that's just part of the game. But when you get called for it repeatedly, you're not making the corrections, pre-snap penalties, appearing very disorganized. It's hard to win any game when you, you're penalized 14 times and the Cowboys almost found a way to do it. They score a touchdown late and then really they need they just need us a stop with I think a little over four minutes left. You need to stop. You're down six. So a touchdown and an extra point would win the game. And the Cowboys could never get out of their own way. It would be a penalty on third down by Randy Gregory, Neville Gallimore. I think Anthony Brown had one. Get out of your own way. Get off the field and give your offense the football. Uh, and really, the defense hadn't played bad during that game. They did really all they could because the offense wasn't really doing anything. So they're out in the field all this time. Yes, they gave up 23 points, but... I mean, considering how long they were out there on the field, surprise it wasn't more. Couldn't get off the field on third down. And then third down with just about a minute left, like third and 14 or whatever. And Debo Samuel gets a reverse and originally picks up the first down when they measured, but then they, the booth reviewed it, determined he, he was back a little further. They remeasured. So he was literally like an inch short. Uh, and then the 49ers fall started on their QB sneak, which would have won them a game, won them the game because they picked it up. Uh, it wasn't a false start. It was an illegal shift, actually. And so then they had to punt. The Cowboys get the ball back with less than a minute left. And what the Cowboys were doing were working. It did a little hook and ladder action. Cedric Wilson to CeeDee Lamb. Get some yardage. Dalton Schultz a couple catches. And so now you're at the... What was it? The 40 yard line of San Francisco with 14 seconds left. And at this point, San Francisco starts playing that sideline defense. So you line up your defenders around the sideline, force a throw to the middle of the field. That makes it a little tougher. That's what San Francisco, San Francisco should have been doing the entire time, but they started doing it then. And with 14 seconds left, no timeouts, Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy decide to call a quarterback draw to get some extra yardage to maybe set up one final play to the end zone. So Dak runs it to the 25-24 yard line, and then they can't get a playoff. The official was a little behind. But listen, like, who calls a a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left in the game and you don't have a timeout? That's just a stupid, idiotic call by Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is getting all these offers for head coaching positions like with the Jags or whoever else. And I've never really understood why because I've never thought that he was that good of an offensive coordinator and he just proved it. Today, I'm going to talk about what I want the Dallas Cowboys to do this offseason, but today I would fire Kellen Moore for that play call. doesn't make sense. If you have a timeout, sure it makes sense because then you can you can call a timeout with, I think there was nine seconds left when Dak slid. You call a timeout then, you get two shots at the end zone. But to do it with no timeouts... If there had been 20 seconds on the clock, then I'm okay with it. 14 seconds, though, like 14, 15 seconds is usually what it takes to run a play in the middle of the field and then 
get up to the line and spike it. So really, you're up against the gun. You should only call quarterback draw if you know for certain you're going to get one more play. And I don't think there was any certainty there. Best case scenario, the Cowboys would have got one second. Why would you even leave it that close? And and listen, that's, that's a terrible way to end a game, you know, not being able to spike the ball. It's a, it's a bad way. No one wants to see an ending to a game like that, obviously. Like, I would much rather have been blown out, probably, than than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, to have that stupid of a play call and then you don't even get an, a final opportunity to just throw it into the end zone, I would have preferred taking, with 14 seconds, taking three shots to the end zone from the 40 than, than running a quarterback draw and then not even getting, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Stupid play calling and... And you, you, listen, listen, I play Madden a lot. Madden is probably my favorite video game. I get it every year. I don't buy it brand new every year because I don't think it's worth $60 every year. That's just one man's opinion. Um, but I'll buy it when it's on sale every year. I play it every year. I play it with friends every year. It's a very, very popular game franchise. And obviously you're playing against the computer in a lot of cases or you're playing against your friends. So obviously like it's, it's easier in that respect. But like, I know how to call plays and I know I understand clock management because of playing Madden. And I swear to you, coaches in the NFL, especially Dallas Cowboys coaches have no idea about clock management in, in end of quarter, end of half, end of game situations. I guarantee I have a better idea of clock management than Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore. If you play Madden, you have a better idea of clock management Alec, if you listen to this, Alec Bell, you have a much better idea of clock management because we play Madden. It's not rocket science, the clock management side of things anyways. Play calling? Sure. Like, I don't know if I could call plays in the NFL. I, I think I I think I think could. If you gave me a play sheet, I may not understand all the, the verbiage and stuff on them, but if you give me concepts... I think I can call a game if you give me like if you give me a Madden playbook and I tell them to go out there and run those plays. I think I can call an offense. And I'm not I'm not trying to say I'm I'm smarter than everybody in the NFL, but I think I'm smarter than Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore. That's all I'm going to say. Today I think I think I could walk in and, and be a coordinator with just clock management alone. It's ridiculous. And it's fireable, in my opinion. So Mike McCarthy's had two years. First year's kind of a wash because Dak gets hurt. You know, that's that's not fair to him. You don't have your your quarterback. But this year was this was awful. Awful clock management. The other thing too I don't like is like at the end of the game, like all you need is a field goal to win it. But you should be playing for touchdown. Like why would you why would you fold? There's like thirty seconds left. You got a couple timeouts. I would keep running productive plays like pass plays to try to get into the end zone then settling for a 47-yard field goal to win the game. Like, why would I settle for a 47-yarder? Extra points are barely even chip shots nowadays. Why would I settle for 47? Like, there was a game early in the year for the Cowboys against the Chargers. They decided to settle for a 56-yarder. And I know Greg Zerline's got a leg. His career long is 59, so I, I know he can make it from 59, 60 yards. But why would I settle for that at the end of a game to win it? That could have easily been missed, and and that that's one more loss on the Cowboys' record there. 
Why, why are we settling for long field goals when you have plenty of time, you can run extra plays and get at least closer for a field goal, but play for a touchdown for, for God's sake. What are we doing? I, I, I have, have faith in your kicker. Of course you should have faith in your kicker, but you shouldn't have that much faith that you have to rely on a 56 yard field goal. It's one thing if you could only get to that point with the time that you had, you're running out of time. But if you've got 30 or 40 seconds left, you got a couple timeouts and the Chargers don't have any, the other team doesn't have any, why would you fold and just kick a field goal? Run some plays. It's, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm ranting. It's it's ridiculous. But uh, that's as heartbreaking of a, of a playoff loss, I think, as, uh, as ever. It's probably second on my list. Gosh, my, I don't know. There's a lot of heartbreaking playoff losses for the Cowboys. The top two, I think the, the number one, most heartbreaking one is the Des Bryant catch no catch versus the Green Bay Packers because I do think that that is the most talented Cowboys team we've seen in the last 25 years. If Romo at quarterback, DeMarco Murray, who was the leading rusher uh, in the league that year, Des Bryant in his prime, Jason Witten, Cole Beasley, who was emerging as a really good slot receiver, the best offensive line we've probably seen in the last 25, 30 years with. Zach Martin, who was a rookie at the time, Tyron Smith in his prime, Doug Free was was still playing, I believe, and Lyle Collins, uh, so and Travis Frederick, like that's a that's a really good offensive line, and uh, that was that was a really talented Cowboys team, and that team was living up to the hype. I, they got obviously they got robbed in that game, and I think they, you know, if that call goes their way, that Des catch, they beat. The Packers at Lambeau go on to Seattle. They had beat Seattle earlier in the year. Could very well do it again. Go on to the Super- like. There's a chance that the Cowboys could have squashed their demons seven years ago, but of course, you know that got in the way unfairly. Uh, but since then, yes, there have been penalty calls against the Cowboys that maybe shouldn't have been. Uh, but now it seems like the Cowboys just can't get out of their own way. It's it's dumb penalties that you can control it's clock management it's this this Cowboys team it probably was the most talented one since that 2014 team and can't do anything with it you know Troy Aikman's blasting the Cowboys everybody is they should be They're, the Dallas Cowboys are the most overrated team in the NFL and might be the most overrated franchise in sports currently maybe that's not quite fair to say because of the the history that they have but that's that's all they have and that's all they talk about and I know a lot of people think the Cowboys fan base is obnoxious I don't think I'm an obnoxious Cowboys fan obviously you know I am one so it, it like I am I am a fan so I, I can't really say that about myself but the Cowboys are overrated and they have crushed fans dreams over the last 25 years and it's it's truly heartbreaking when you see your own team not be able to get out of its own way. And so I want to talk about what the Dallas Cowboys should do this offseason. Yes, it was a successful year, 12 and 5, you made the playoffs, but that's not enough. You didn't beat the teams that you were you beat the teams you were supposed to beat. You didn't beat any good teams and the problem is is you're running it back next year with probably the same team plus whatever you add in the draft. And you've got a first-place schedule. So you're going to play teams like Green Bay, Cincinnati, uh, maybe the Chiefs. I, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but you're going to play division winners. 
and you couldn't beat him last year, as in this this past season, what makes you think with the same team you're going to beat him next year? So I, there's got to be there's got to be some changes. I already talked about it a little bit. Like Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore, head coach and offensive coordinator, have to be gone today. I think you got to get rid of them. The play call, the play calling, and the just the time management is not good at all, and that's reason enough for them to be fired. Uh, maybe you don't fire Kellen Moore because Kellen Moore is probably going to get a head coaching job elsewhere. But I would not want to promote uh, Kellen Moore to head coach in the Cowboys organization. So either fire him or let him go coach somewhere else. Um, and then if I can, I want to promote Dan Quinn to head coach. And I know that sounds pretty silly. You know, Will, didn't the Atlanta Falcons have a 28-3 to lead on the Patriots in the Super Bowl a handful of years ago? And because of Dan Quinn's play calling, and well, it wasn't really Dan Quinn, it was Kyle Shanahan, but because of the play calling and the mismanagement and all of that, they ended up letting the Patriots back in it and they lost. Yeah, that, that how right you are. You're so correct. And it sounds very hypocritical of me, but the reason I would try to promote Dan Quinn, if I can, is because he's turned around this Cowboys defense in a year. Uh, Micah Parsons, who they drafted in the first round is a star. He'll be a defensive rookie of the year. Trayvon Diggs, is a ball hawk. I by no means would I call him a top ten corner or maybe even a top twenty five corner. I don't think he is. He's got great ball skills and he puts himself in the right place at the right time a lot of times. But he gave he gave up the most yardage in the league among corners. So by no means is Diggs a good corner. Uh, I will admit that. But he is still valuable because he can come up with a lot of interceptions. And, I mean, turnovers are, are the name of the game in the NFL when it comes to defense. If you force some turnovers, you win in the turnover differential, then you're going to win a lot of games. And so he's still a valuable, valuable piece. Demarcus Lawrence getting a little up there in age, a little bit more injury-prone, but still valuable on that defense. The defensive line I, and the edge rushers like Randy Gregory, you have Neville Gallimore and Osa Digizua. I mean, it's pretty solid. And then on the back end, they weren't all that bad. I would maybe get rid of Anthony Brown because he drew a lot of pass interference penalties, but like Dan Quinn turned around this defense, turned it from a bottom two or three defense to now a respectable, you know, it's above middle of the pack. It's not one of the best defenses, but it's, it's in that top 10 range. And so I would promote Dan Quinn to head coach. Then you would have to go after some coordinators. But if Dan Quinn gets a head coaching job elsewhere, which is very possible, I, I've heard Denver, the Broncos, is that they're the front runners for Dan Quinn, or at least Dan Quinn is the front runner in their eyes for their head coaching job, among other people that they've probably interviewed. So if Dan Quinn moves on, obviously you're getting rid of McCarthy, Kellen Moore, and Dan Quinn. So what do you do? If Dan Quinn isn't your head coach, Brian Flores is number one, in my opinion. Great coach. I think everyone would say he's a great coach. And he was fired inexplicably by the Dolphins. And we have no idea why. It it proves that the Dolphins have no idea what they're doing organizationally. So Cowboys should capitalize on that and bring in Brian Flores. Now, if Brian Flores decides to go elsewhere, maybe like a Minnesota, who struggles defensively a little bit, then bring in a couple other guys like Vance McDonald from the Arizona Cardinals, defensive coordinator, or Todd Bowles, uh, the defensive coordinator with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both of them didn't have very successful head coaching stints, 
but I think both deserve another shot. They play great styles of defense. Both bring a lot of pressure. I like that. So I want one of those guys leading my team. Uh, then when you come to the coordinator positions, I had to do a lot of research on this because I'm just not well, – I'm more educated in the head coaching game in terms of like just names and like who's good and not good and, and everything like that. Coordinators, though, I had to do a little bit of research. Offensive coordinator, the person who I want is Luke Getze from the Green Bay Packers. He's the quarterback coach and the passing game coordinator. Came in with Matt LaFleur in 2019 uh, after McCarthy was fired. And so what has that offense done in Green Bay, you know, the last couple of years? Well, it's only been one of the best offenses in the league, and Aaron Rodgers is going to win back-to-back MVPs under LaFleur and then being coached by Luke Getze. So why wouldn't I want Luke Getze to be my offensive coordinator? I'm going to bring him in to coach up Dak Prescott and this offense who this offense is as talented as any offense in the league and yet underperforms consistently. I want Getze in that coordinator spot. And then defensive coordinator, I want to bring back somebody who was a part of the Cowboys a couple of years ago, Chris Richard. He's been the defensive backs coach in Seattle. That's really where he made his name. And then he was in Dallas as the DBs coach a couple of years ago. Now he's with the Saints. I would bring in Chris Richard as my as my defensive coordinator uh, because some of the players on this defense, he coached and he did a good job with them when he was there. Bring him back uh, and, and let him be the defensive coordinator because there's some familiarity there and he's a good coach. That's who I want to bring in. Um, now from a player personnel standpoint, this is also what needs to happen. Dak needs to restructure his contract because clearly he is not as good as maybe we thought he was you know, before he signed that contract. Obviously, you have to pay him over $30 million because I think he is worth at least $30 million, but $40 million is too much. I still would have signed him. I would rather pay him $40 million than not pay him at all and let him go because it's so hard to find quarterbacks in this league. And you found one in the fourth round. You hit on him when Tony Romo got hurt. You got to keep Dak around, but I think you got to restructure a little bit, dock a few million off, if you can pay him $36 million, $35 million, try to cut 4 or $5 million off annually. That would, I think, help a little bit. And then I think you also need to restructure Ezekiel Elliott's contract because he's making far too much money to not be a productive running back. I mean, there was a handful of games this year where he rushed for under 50 yards. If you're not hitting 50 yards rushing in a game, what are you doing out there? And, and the Cowboys running game is supposed to be one of the best in the league. But the but the thing is is like when the Cowboys run the ball effectively, have over 100 yards rushing, they usually win. But Zeke is not living up to the money he's being paid. Tony Pollard, I would argue, today is a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott. The only thing that Zeke is better at than Tony Pollard is pass protection, stepping up and blocking linebackers or edge rusher edge rushers um, coming on the outside. Like Zeke, I think is the best pass blocking back in the league but he's subpar everywhere else. Plus, he's been banged up too. I would restructure Zeke or find a way to trade him and just get out of that contract altogether, get some value in return. I'm sure someone would take him. Maybe they wouldn't. I don't know because you know, Todd Gurley was great for a while and then fell off and no one would, would trade for him. So maybe there isn't trade value. I don't know. But you got to figure out a way to restructure, save some money, or just cut ties. Uh, and then... 
you know, I, I talked about the defense some. The defense, I think, is fine. You're good there, other than maybe finding a replacement for Anthony Brown at corner. But on the offensive side of the ball, I think the Cowboys need to, in the draft, or maybe even in free agency, stock up on some offensive linemen. First and foremost, you got to cut Connor Williams. Connor Williams was the most penalized offensive lineman in the league this year, and I don't want him playing left guard anymore. I don't want him on my team, so get rid of him. Draft offensive linemen. Use your first-round pick this year on an offensive lineman because you think about this, Tyron Smith is not getting any younger. He's more and more injury-prone, and he's only he's probably only got a couple decent years left before he hangs it up. He's been in the league 11 or 12 years. You know, Zach Martin been in the league for, oh, I don't know, seven years, eight years, and he's starting to get up there in age, you know, hitting 30. Lyle Collins getting a little older too. Like, not you're not getting any younger with your star offensive lineman. And so I think what you need to do is go back to what you did seven, eight years ago, really even 10 years ago, and draft offensive linemen again uh, and rebuild what was once the greatest offensive line in the league at that time. I wanted the Cowboys to draft a corner last year, you know, like Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn. And when those guys were taken before the Cowboys pick, I wanted the Cowboys to take Rashawn Slater, offensive lineman from Northwestern. He's an all-pro. He's going to be an all-pro for years to come. And he's he's only a rookie, and he's already an all-pro. So I wanted him because then you could have put him at right tackle with Tyron Smith at left tackle. Lyle Collins could move from right tackle to left guard where he had played the beginning of his career. That would that would have been a great offensive line, and and in a way, Slater can be Tyron Smith's replacement because Tyron Smith is going to retire here in the next couple of years. You move Slater over to then to left tackle. If Lyle Collins is still around, you can put him back at right tackle, and then there you are. That's what I wanted him to do. Obviously, they took Parsons, and Parsons has been fantastic. So I wouldn't, I don't know if I would redo it today, but that's what I wanted at the time, and it made a lot of sense. And so that's what I think the Cowboys need to do now is just in the draft, pick up some offensive linemen, and try to just stockpile to prepare for the eventual retirements of Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith, and Zach Martin because they're not getting any younger, more and more injury-prone, and eventually you're not going to have those guys around. And uh, two of those three, Zach Martin and Tyron Smith, are definitely going to be Hall of Famers when they hang them up. And the Cowboys have wasted their Hall of Fame careers. And not many teams in the league can say that they have two current, like basically current Hall of Famers on their offensive line. And the Cowboys have, have wasted that. And really, they're wasting all the talent around them. Their window really is only the next year or two. I think they've got a year or two to win a Super Bowl and then... You kind of have to not necessarily rebuild, but retool. But that's what I would do this offseason if I'm the Cowboys. Got to fire the coaching staff. Just rebuild this coaching staff, one that I think is better in my mind at least than the current one that's in place. And then you restructure some players, figure it out. But it's a mess in Big D, a big problem in Big D. And uh, that's probably as disappointing of a playoff loss as, as any in recent memory. And the Dallas Cowboys are the most overrated team in the NFL. I'm no longer going to believe any of the hype. And I I really wasn't believing it this year, but I ain't going to pay attention to any of these rankings or any of this or any of that. I'm still going to be a passionate fan. I'm still going to be excited on game days to watch. 
and I'm still going to scream at the TV when they're losing or whatever, but the belief I have in my team will, it's going to, it's dropping down a little bit, bit by bit with every excruciating self-inflicted playoff loss. That's it for 150 though. Big milestone. I'll see you in episode 151. We're going to make predictions for the divisional round at the end of the week, continuing on with the NFL playoffs. I'll see you then. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show.